kill you. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Okay, um, <clears throat> good evening and welcome to <laughs> the first Antinanny of 2016. Um, with me tonight is the the lovely and vivacious Miss Jeannie Kay. How are you this evening, Jeannie? Hi, Jan. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. And the best producer, Money Can't Buy, which is good because... It's been a couple of years, and I'm still not paying him. Barry, how are you tonight, Barry? Fine. Confused as to why you can't hear the audio. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, um, every time something changes, uh, something changes for me, too. So um, that, apparently, is just the way it is for me when it comes to sounds and audio and Skype and all that fun stuff. I think I know um, what it was. Who knew, huh? Skype changed the setting. <laughs> to the new VP Live format, though. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, yeah. uh, it looks Streamline super clean. Page. Yeah. It looks super clean. Um, did everyone have a nice Christmas? Or, you know, Festivus? Or... I did what um, I always do. I stayed at home, just saw the people around the flat, and online gamed. That was it. Okay. And Jeannie had a busy family Christmas, I'm guessing? Yes, I did. All of my children and grandchildren ended up at my house on, New- on Christmas Day. So that was very, that was one. An un- well, you got to see everybody, and that's a good thing. I, can I just say, I don't know where to start. It's like 2016 hit me in the face with a baseball bat. Yeah. And I wasn't expecting it. And I can hear the wind tunnel sound. This is terrible. Did somebody just sneeze? <laughs> is that any better? Okay. I'm just going to keep talking because everybody sounds gone really funny. And hopefully people can still hear me in the chat and stuff. 2016 um, kind of came in and was really, really, really interesting. Um, gee, where to begin? Um, do we want to talk about guns first, Jeannie? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. 
It's the same better name. I hear the laughter already. Uh, Obama plans curbs on guns. January 2nd. Absolutely shocking. Didn't see this coming. <laughs> Honolulu. Uh, President Obama will press ahead with a set of executive actions on guns next week, despite growing concerns in the United States over terrorism that have dampened some Americans' enthusiasm for tighter firearms restrictions. The president will meet Monday with Attorney General Loretta E. Lynch to finalize a series of new gun control measures and will announce his package of proposals soon after, according to several individuals who spoke on the condition of anonymity because the plan is not yet public. One of the main proposals Obama is supposed to adopt would require some unlicensed gun dealers to get licenses and conduct background checks on potential buyers. The change is aimed at occasional dealers, including some who sell online frequently or who rent tables at gun shows but do not have a storefront. Obama began examining how he could tighten the nation's gun rules after October's mass shooting at Umpqua Community College in Rosenberg, Oregon. Administration lawyers have spent months reviewing various proposals to make sure they can withstand legal challenges. The idea of requiring informal gun dealers to obtain licenses from the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, which just sounds like a house party, and of conducting background checks came up two years ago when White House officials drafted a proposal for dealers who sell at least 50 guns annually. The idea was shelved because of legal concerns, but has gained new momentum after the Roseburg shooting. At that point, Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton said she would pursue such requirements by executive action if elected. Administration officials gave the proposal another look and determined it could be done in a way that was legally defensible. The White House review has been conducted in relative secrecy, soliciting input from gun safety groups without specifying which policies the administration might ultimately adopt. In the past month, Obama has met with former Representative Gabrielle Giffords, who was gravely injured in a 2011 mass shooting, and her husband, Mark Kelly, and with former New York Mayor Michael R. Bloomberg. There's a fucking shock. And the president of every town for gun safety, which Bloomberg helped start. In Obama's weekly radio address, I didn't even know he had one of those, um, at least a day earlier than usual, the president said he was moving unilaterally because Congress had failed to address the growing problem of gun violence. Quote, a few months ago, I directed my team at the White House to look into any new actions I can take to help reduce gun violence, he said. And on Monday, I'll meet with our Attorney General Loretta Lynch to discuss our options. Because I get too many letters from parents and teachers and kids to sit around and do nothing, Obama continued. I get letters from responsible gun owners who grieve with us every time these tragedies happen, who share my belief that the Second Amendment guarantees a right to bear arms, and who share my belief we can protect that right while keeping a, an irresponsible, dangerous few from inflicting harm on a massive scale. In reviewing its opinions, the administration has shut out congressional Republicans who joined with some Democrats in helping block legislation to expand background checks after the 2012 shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut. The administration has not communicated with us, and we have not been briefed. Doug Andrus, a spokesman for House Speaker Paul D. Ryan, said in an email, We will consider options once we have information, but what seems apparent is none of these ideas would have prevented the recent atrocities. Our focus should be on the consistent causes of these acts, mental illness and terrorism, rather than infringing on law-abiding Americans' constitutional rights. While most Republican presidential candidates did not provide immediate reaction to the Obama announcement, they are expected to talk about it in the coming days. Former Florida Governor Jeb Bush is scheduled to attend a gun show in Orlando on Sunday where he will discuss the high marks he has received from the NRA. 
Catherine Frazier, a spokeswoman for Ted Cruz, said that President Obama is trying to distract Americans from his failure to address the, tr the true threat of radical Islamic terrorism and instead going after the right of law-abiding American citizens is complete lunacy. If Ted Cruz is a Ted elected president, he, the lawlessness will end on day one and Americans' personal liberties will be restored and protected. I'm sorry. Oh. Obama will make his case for additional gun restrictions in a number of forums in the coming month, according to aides, including during his January 12th State of the Union address. While beefing up background checks as strong support, Quinnipinic University poll in December found that 89% of Americans supported checks for purchases at gun shows and online sales. Obama's actions also come as Americans have grown more fearful about the prospect of terrorist strikes and are expressing an openness to having ordinary citizens carry guns. Washington Post slash ABC News poll conducted last month in the wake of the San Bernardino, California terror shootings, for example, found that 53% of, of respondents opposed a ban on assault weapons, a record high. When asked which is the better reaction to terrorism, 47% said include, encouraging more people to carry guns legally, while 42% in, uh, preferred enacting stricter gun control laws. Federal law requires those who are engaged in the business of dealing in firearms to have a federal license and therefore to conduct background checks of potential buyers, but it exempts anyone who makes occasional sales, changes, or purchases of firearms for the enhancement of personal collection or hobby, or who sells part or all of their collection of firearms. The administration wants to narrow that exception, so more gun sellers will have to get licenses. It is unclear how many possible deals a change in rule would affect since these activities are not formally tracked and the administration has not disclosed what criteria it has selected to judge which gun sellers would have to register for a license. The rest of it just goes on and on and on and on. Jeannie, go. None of this bullshit that they're proposing would have altered any of the atrocities that we've seen. Not a fucking one. So how is it that their, their reason for this insanity are those shootings. It's not. But if it, if it wouldn't have changed the fucking outcome one little bit, what good is it doing? It's not. But, but what they're doing is going out to the sheep and just like that bunch of shit in California, before they had even stopped these shooters, before they were even stopped, was Obama on the fucking news talking about how horrible it was and what can we do to help the victims? No. He was on the fucking news talking about how he had legislation that would have prevented this from happening. That's a fuck you did! He didn't. He, none of the bullshit that he had proposed would have stopped that from happening. Not at all. He used that horrible, horrible incident to, to further an agenda that would have done nothing to prevent it. And it's fucking ridiculous. And people sit there every single day and go, oh, I know we need to do this because it'll stop this. No, it won't. Look at how this happened. Look at how these people got these firearms. It would not have fucking stopped it. So what good is more regulation when the regulation that was already in place didn't do a damn thing? Let's not. But... It makes you look real good when you're doing something. It's called uh, feel-good legislation. And a lot of people are notorious for passing such legislation. And it's like what Hawaii is doing right now. Let's raise the smoking-slash-vaping age to 21. Why? What good is it going to do? None, but it looks impressive as hell when you look at it. 
when it's all written in the law books. It looks like we're doing something. Meanwhile, we're ignoring what poverty, homelessness, uh, massive job losses, the horrible things that the TTP is going to allow to happen, <laughs> which will make every country that's trying to compete more and more like China. Um, we're just going to ignore all that and sweep it all aside and try to make this the big issue of the day. Uh, I am not happy about this. I'm a responsible gun owner. I'm a responsible shooter. I'm disgusted by this. I don't normally talk about the Second Amendment on here. You guys know that. Like a Fourth Amendment girl. A Tenth Amendment girl. Actually, I like all of the amendments and I really like the Constitution. And truthfully, if we abided by the Constitution for the past 200 years, you would not have a lot of this mess that you see happening. First of all, we wouldn't have to contend with things like the FDA and the market would kind of regulate itself. That's just my first opinion. <laughs> Very, you've got thoughts on this, I'm sure. <sighs> oh, God. <laughs> it's so complicated, though. Um, you can't stop people having guns in the U.S. It's, it's that simple. Politicians just have to deal with that fact. It's now way, way too late, by about 180 years, to deal with that bit of it. Now, this may be controversial, but I do think there shouldn't be exemptions for gun sellers of any type. But that's just me. There shouldn't be special rules just for one little group. But, yeah. And yeah, as Jeannie said, this change wouldn't have affected any of these uh, gun massacres. Because most of the people doing the gun massacres weren't the registered owners of the damn guns in the first place. So, yeah, well, they didn't get them through legal means. So, yeah, it's it's a mess, and God knows what can be done about it. Oh, and on the other side of the argument, all the people shouting about mental health and the like, they're doing exactly what Obama's doing. They... They don't give a shit. Okay. You were breaking up a little bit. I'm going to assume I'm going to be breaking up a little bit when I'm talking this evening. Uh, I will be so happy when you get rid of Talk Talk. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I've got to say. Um, not that my sound would be any better. Uh, yeah. I mean, Should there I... are no good outcomes. <laughs> this is the problem. I know. There aren't. There aren't. Um, what happens when gun control goes out of control? Um, let's look at societies that have disarmed their people. Let's look at communist societies who have done this. Their people get slaughtered by the millions. There is a reason we have guns. And I really think I have guns to protect myself and my family to hunt, but also knowing you have the ability to protect yourself makes you safer in a place where the cops are 30 minutes away, like where I live, like where Janie lives. 
but we also have them to protect ourselves in case of a runaway insane government. Everyone knows that. People pretend it's not a fact. It's a fact. We talked about it openly and honestly. I really think we would make a lot more strides in how these things are dealt with. Can anybody in the chat hear me? Can you hear us okay? You yeah, we're going to have a delay listening. before they can answer you, Jen. Okay. Well, That's I'm listening cool. to the output, so it should be Okay. Um, Oregon? Who's, who's in the mood to talk about Oregon? <laughs> I am. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm not because I think you're going to find, if you do a little digging into this, a lot of this stuff has more to do with mineral rights than anything else. Um, and I, I can't... I'm something up just so that they could take something that they weren't entitled to fucking have. Oh my god! I I, I think you're going to find that it's deeper than that, but I can't prove that. I can only say what internet searches have turned up for me. But you might want to look at USGS maps of the areas in question, both when you start with the whole Bundy Ranch, and then you move on to what I'm calling Bundy Ranch 2 which is the Oregon situation as it's unraveling at the moment. Um, I really think you, you need to look deeper into this than most people are going to be willing to. And it takes time. It takes a lot of time. I don't know exactly what I think, but I do know I don't want this to be the thing that we have to shed blood over. I don't think change has to come that way. And I, I think the people that think so are going to get a lot of innocent people hurt. I also think things like what are happening right now in Oregon play right into our administration's hands with them going to have their gun control special on CNN on Thursday night. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of, of talking about how harmful domestic terrorists are. And I think at the heart of the situation, it's not about what you think it's about. So, the observe. I love they have changed things from um, this cult is having action to um, an armed bunch of individuals, and and now that everything, the terrorist seems to be the word of of the decade um, to me. Everything is being labeled as terrorism of some kind, you know, domestic terrorist, Islamic terrorist. Um, it's going to end I'm up just Iranian terrorists um, because because that's the, the key word to get people to do, to get the sheep in the line they want the sheep to be in. Um, of I, looking at what drove them to this. Why are they doing this? Well, because they felt back corner and that this would get them some attention it's probably not the best attention <laughs> yeah sorry that everybody's audio is out of whack tonight but you can thank the interwebs for that you can thank talk talk for that and you can thank the wonderful microsuck for all the improvements that they've made to skype um sorry about that guys um no there's no need you keep talking you express your opinion this is about everybody and, and more importantly, this is about people like you and I and how 
in the end, people like you and I who want to be self-sufficient and not depend on the government for a damn thing, and let them take their taxes and, and live our lives in fucking peace are going to get painted as domestic terrorists because of this. Yeah, I mean, the so, Oregon thing, it's it's not going to end well uh, for um, Well, Congress has occupied a federal building for a long fucking time, and it hasn't fixed any of their audio issues, or an, and it hasn't helped their ability to govern either. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it, the Oregon thing, it's one of those things where both sides you are horrible. <laughs> I mean, yeah. There, I mean, there is no, there's no good answers. Um, well, the Bundys have taken over the area, claiming it's to do with what's happened to the Hammonds, which it isn't, because there's nothing anyone can do about that apart from the Supreme Court. Uh, so it's not the federal government even that can do anything about that. It's the Supreme Court. So yeah, both sides are assholes in this case and well your audio is going way to jail. fairy i know people were saying genie's audio is bad i can hear genie perfect i can barely hear you that's the transatlantic gap okay um so i guess we're having audio delays tonight guys sorry about that but um you know it's the new year and apparently you are gonna get this so <laughs> deal um is that any better? A little bit, yeah. And it's not you. This is the interwebs. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But I can't try and fiddle with things. A lot of this is just how it is. Um, the Oregon situation, I'm not happy about it. I am not going to shed blood because somebody thinks this is the beginning of the Second American Revolution. I think what's going to happen is change will happen eventually because of balkanization. The internet's already started to balkanize everything. And eventually all the things that are, that we pay no attention to, that we don't care about will fall by the wayside. That includes our government because they will have no meaning in our lives. Do I think we get pushed into something bad? I do. I don't like the idea of that. I've advocated for a long time against the idea of thinking that going out in a blaze of glory or doing something stupid is a great thing. It's not. And it's going to hurt people you've never even met. Okay. So. Okay. The absurdly hard, harsh penalties that sparked the Oregon rancher protest. Please also remember these people did not want this protest to happen. Okay. The people that this protest is being invoked in the name of wanted nothing at all to do with this. I'm going to read. As Ed Kerensky noted yesterday, the armed men who are occupying an office building in the Mulher National Wildlife Refuge in Oregon broke off from a demonstration protesting the sentences received by two ranchers 73-year-old Dwight Hammond and his 46-year-old son, Stephen, who in 2001 and 2006 set fire on their own property that spread to public land. 
In addition to the long-running conflict between the ranchers and the federal government over control of land in the West, the case illustrates the practical impossibility of challenging harsh mandatory minimum sentences as violations of the Eighth Amendment's ban on cruel and unusual punishments. The first fire set by the Hammonds, which was intended to eliminate invasive species on their property, ended up consuming 139 acres of federal land. The second fire, which was aimed at protecting the Hammonds' winter feed from a wildlife wildfire sparked by lightning, burned about an acre of public land. Although the Hammonds did not seek the required government permission for either burn, the damage to the federal land seemed to have been unintentional. In 2012, they were nevertheless convicted under 18 U.S.C. 844F1, which prescribes a five-year mandatory minimum sentence for anyone who, quote, maliciously damages, destroys, or attempts to damage or destroy by means of an explosive any federal property. Viewing that penalty as clearly unjust, given the facts of the case, U.S. District Judge Michael Hogan instead imposed a three-month sentence on Dwight Hammond, who was convicted of one count, and two concurrent one-year sentences on Stephen Hammond, who was convicted of two counts. Those terms were within the ranges recommended by the federal sentencing guidelines that would have applied, but for the statutory minimum, which Hogan rejected as inconsistent with the Eighth Amendment. Last year, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit responded to a government appeal, disagreed with Hogan, saying he had no choice but to impose five-year sentences on both men, since a minimum sentence maintained by a statute is not a suggestion that courts have discretion to disregard. That is why the Hammonds, who had already completed their original sentences, were ordered back to federal prison, a development that led to Saturday's protest. In rejecting Hogan's conclusion, the mandatory minimum was unconstitutional as applied to the Hammonds. The Ninth Circuit Court noted that the Supreme Court has upheld far tougher sentences for less serious or at the very least comparable offenses. The examples it cited included a sentence of 50 years to life under California's three strikes law for selling nine videotapes, a sentence of 25 years to life under California's three strikes law for the theft of three golf clubs, a 40-year sentence for possession of nine ounces of marijuana with the intent to distribute, and a life sentence under Texas's recidivist statute for obtaining $100.75 by false pretenses. If those penalties did not qualify as grossly disproportionate, the appeals court reasoned, five years for accidentally setting fire to federal land cannot possibly exceed the limits imposed by the Eighth Amendment. In other words, since even worse miscarriages of justice have passed constitutional muster, this one must be okay, too. Given the binding authority that the Supreme Court presents, the Ninth Court's, the Ninth Circuit's legal reasoning is hard to fault. But it highlights a gap between what is legal and what is right, a gap that occasionally inspires justices to commit random acts of fairness. Yeah. Yes, your Supreme Court's crazy. <laughs> All courts are crazy. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't yeah, even the, know what the, to The minimum say. sentencing, I mean, they always set it really high, claiming, oh, this will deter people, but it doesn't. Oh, yeah, well, um, five years for getting $120.75 under false pretenses, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a deterrent. I don't know. I, I don't even know what to say. But since I said we would talk about Oregon, there's actually more. 
I know you're excited. I'm excited. It's just, I didn't want to talk about this tonight. I didn't. In fact, very night a conversation this morning where I'm going, I don't, I don't even know how to talk about this. And the reason I don't know how to talk about this is because I don't view this like other people. There is no black and white. The whole world is in this weird shade of gray thing. Yeah. There's no black and white. You can always look and see both sides. Somewhere in the middle of that is the truth. And, yeah. This comes from the Foundation for Economic... F-E-E. <laughs> Foundation for Economic Education. No heroes in the West, fire, feds, and freeloaders. There are no good guys to cheer for in the militia takeover of an Oregon federal building on January 2nd. The ostensible issue is the resentencing of two Oregon native ranchers, Dwight Hammond and son Stephen Hammond, for arson, while the underlying issue is federal land and ownership of much of the West. The arson fires lit by the Hammonds in 2001 and 2006 may have actually represented sensible land management, but the Hammonds lost the high ground by their failure to coordinate with the government agency maintaining the land they burned. Prescribed fire is a useful tool used to improve wildlife habitat, increase land productivity, and control wildfires. The 2001 fire aimed at improving productivity, but the government says the ranchers didn't bother informing the BLM that they planned to burn until two hours after they lit the fire. While they lit the fire on their own land, it escaped and burned 139 acres of federal land, but that burning probably did not do serious damage to the grassland, and they put the fire out themselves. The 2006 fire was more questionable. A wildfire was burning on BLM land near the Hammonds Ranch, so to defend their land, they lit a backfire on their own land. That would be standard procedure, except, again, they didn't tell anyone, and when their fire crossed over onto the federal land, it endangered firefighters who the Hammonds apparently knew were located between the wildfire and their backlit fire. Due to severe fire hazards, the county has a no-burn rule, which the Hammonds apparently violated, but this was hardly a terrorist act. For those actions, they were sentenced to a year in jail, which possibly was appropriate considering they endangered people's lives. But the federal government, citing an anti-terrorism law that sets mandatory minimum sentences of five years for arson on federal land, demanded they be resentenced. Having already served the first year, they were scheduled to be reincarcerated for four more years after the new year. It is always disturbing when the federal government uses laws aimed at foreign terrorists to oppress citizens who have political differences of opinion with government policy. The Hammonds, who have paid $400,000 in fines related to the fire they lit, probably should not have been resentenced to four more years in prison, but that's a problem with mandatory minimum sentencing laws and overly aggressive prosecutors, not federal land management. Enter Hammond Bundy, son of Clyde and Bundy, a Nevada rancher whose use of BLM land in that state became a hot issue in 2014. The Bundys and their allies believe federal land should belong to the states or the ranchers themselves since the ranchers have grazed their cattle on it for so many generations. Thus, they ignore the limits that the BLM placed on the number of cattle they could graze on federal land near their ranch and refuse to pay legally mandated fees for grazing those cattle. Section 8 of the Constitution authorizes the federal governments to control land in the nation's capital, but nowhere else. If you believe that any power not granted to the federal government belongs to the states, then the Bundys are correct. However, the federal government has owned land outside the capital since 1790 when Alexander Hamilton convinced the states to yield land west of the Appalachians in exchange for federal assumptions of state debt. 
A few years later, Thomas Jefferson himself questioned the constitutionality of the Louisiana Purchase, even as he persuaded the Senate to approve it. The Supreme Court has heard hundreds of cases involving federal land and has never ruled that the Constitution does not allow the federal government to own land in the West. So any battle against federal ownership would have to be fought politically, not in the courts. That may be what Bundy and his friends think they are doing. Just as the tree sitters raised public awareness of issues related to old growth forests in the 1980s, the malicious occupation of a fish and wildlife services building that was closed for the holidays might be a way to raise public awareness of alleged federal mistreatment of ranchers. The problem with this tactic is that 90% of Western land, Western residents are urbanites who are much more likely to sympathize with spotted owls and sandhill cranes than with cattle and sheep. Decades ago, ranchers grazing their livestock on public land paid enough fees to earn the Forest Service as a profit. But in 1978, ranchers persuaded Congress to adopt a grazing fee formula on national forests, and BLM land set is designed to guarantee ranchers a profit, even as grazing costs taxpayers more than $100 million per year. Thus, many people, including some agency officials, view the ranchers as freeloaders and their livestock as invasive species, damaging the habitat for native fish and wildlife. The Hammond shouldn't have lit the 2006 fire without coordinating with the BLM, federal government should have shouldn't have prosecuted them for the prescribed burning using an anti-terrorist law. The Bundys shouldn't have occupied the Fish and Wildlife Services office. Property rights advocates who want to change public views need to find ranchers more appealing than the Bundys who want to overgraze on other people's land without paying for the right to do so, or the Hammonds who wants authorized fire on federal lands threatened firefighters' lives. Without better representatives, preferably ones who are willing to pay their own way and not rely on taxpayer subsidies, they won't be able to capture the hearts and minds of the American people, which means the future ranchers who depend on the future ranchers who depend on federal lands is dim. Fantastic mess, isn't it? Okay, um, I have no idea what just got said. So, I said fantastic mess. Uh, yeah. Still not really a clue, but I'm just going to keep talking. Um, this is ridiculous. This whole thing is ridiculous. I have a really hard time with this. I'm not happy with what's going on in Oregon. I'm really, really unhappy with the idea that people who live a life that I've lived pretty much all my life are going to get painted with, you know, cute little memes like we're domestic Al-Qaeda because of this. I might share some philosophies in common with these people, but I'm not these people. And I don't know what else to say about that. Yeah. Oh, boy. So, <laughs> you know, every year, um, Jeff Flake releases the waste book. So I, I think I'll talk about that. The government wasted money on shrimp fight club and a million other things. In honor of the release of the new star Wars movie, Senator Jeff Flake of Arizona subtitled this year's waste book as the farce awakens. The latest edition of this annual report details 100 spending programs detailing 108.5 million that are a complete waste of your money. 
On the list, we find one million that went to the National Institutes of Health to study a dozen monkeys running in hamster balls on a treadmill. That's right, but as strange as the spending may seem to us taxpayers, it's not unique. The report states, in a case of a monkey see, monkey do, the National Institute on Aging is already spending more than $600,000 to conduct its own monkey on a treadmill study. We should also know that 706000 yeah, 706800 Dollars of your hard-earned money has been granted by the National Science Foundation to Duke University to conduct a so-called shrimp fight club where shrimp are pitted against each other so researchers can observe the punching power of the mantis shrimp, which engage in ritualized fighting with powerful hammer-like claws. Now, these may not be nearly as bad as the $5 million spent by the National Institutes of Health on the Organization of Parties for Hipsters at bars and nightclubs, in an effort to entice them to take a stand against tobacco corporations. The report, however, does note when the parties fail to achieve that goal, the intervention gets blunt, flashing cash in front of the hipster's stash. Quit Smoking, Get Cash offers one of the programs that hands out up to $100 as a payoff to get hipsters to stop smoking. We also spent $668,000 to study the hashtags angry tweets and heart attacks, 77000 on yogurtopia and 448 million on free rent for freeloaders but here's the thing as much as waste is annoying and undoubtedly a problem with worthy of congressional attention it's only a small component of government waste in this country first there are improper payments which cost over 100 billion dollars each year but that pales in comparison with the pervasive waste that exists in current spending patterns It also pales in comparison with the economic damage caused by the misallocation of capital and the creation of perverse incentives. For example, the moral hazard created by government bailouts and terrible regulations. In fiscal year 2015, the government spent $3.7 trillion, or 20.7% of gross domestic product. The consequences of this spending was a $439 billion budget deficit. A large part of this overspending was not even spending too much on things, but spending that never should have happened at all, uh, e.g. money for farm and energy subsidies as well as other crony subsidies, outdated weapon systems, and Amtrak. And then there was all the spending that actually should have been paid for by the states, such as money for education and transportation. According to the Congressional Budget's Office's Alternative Scenario Budget Projection, the scenario under which widely expected policy changes occur, including senators' concessions to interest groups, such as physicians and senior citizens, the current trajectory spending will increase to 21.9% of GDP in 2020 and 25.8% in 2030 and 30.4% in 2040. The expansion of mandatory programs, such as Medicare, Medicaid, affordable care subsidies, and Social Security is the driving force behind the spending growth and our exploding debt. Unfortunately, as that debt grows, the interest payments on that debt will grow as well. I guess that's that for that one. I'm going to assume people can still hear me. They should be able to hear you. Okay, good. Oh, can you hear me better? I can hear you. I can hear you. Oh my God, you sound great. Skype's been messing with the settings while I've not been looking. Literally, from when we started the show, it's changed settings. I fucking hate (laughs) Skype. Jeannie, are you here? I'm here. Okay, good. Please don't leave me alone on this stuff anymore. You guys sound great. Yeah, I 
No, Skype actually had an update like a couple of days ago, too, and it's been really bad. And messing with settings is not the least of the things it's been doing. Well, it's the first time it's done it during a call to me before, though. <sighs> so, yeah. Well, at least we know it's something. I don't know. It took me ages <sighs> to figure out what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, but, I'm happy we know what's going on. I don't know. Up the so, settings. Why has it done that? It wasn't like that a minute ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Jeannie, what were you going to say about the Oregon people? Huh? Oh, we're talking. There's way more to this than what's going on. Um, and I do have to commend the ranchers, though, for the fact that, you know, they, they were not trying to get out of their sentence. You know, they still that this is what the law says and we will surrender ourselves. Um, I just think that there is way more to it. And the government does whatever it wants and it's going to do what it's going to do. Unfortunately. I just think that this is going to be another piece of straw on the why we need gun control bullshit when I promise you that most of these guys are probably hunter-gatherer, farmer-type people who need those firearms to survive and to eat. Um, I don't mean to survive and shoot people. I mean to survive and shoot deer and yeah. such. But that's not going to be the media playing it. Well, the media is already playing it pretty badly. Um, like I said a while ago, I don't... I don't like the idea that people that, you know, want to live a, an independent lifestyle are going to wear a pretty ugly title because of this. The word domestic terrorism is getting thrown around a lot. And if you took, I don't understand why you can't just have civil disobedience anymore. You know, I just don't. Because that doesn't grab headlines. I guess not. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Um, so, yeah. So, the government's stealing. It's spending money badly. Uh, what else happened? God, there's a ton. Um, ah! I, I just want them to televise um, the Fight Club. The Shrimp Fight Club? I think yeah, that would be, be actually watch. interesting. Well, the, well, they already fucked up because we all know what the first rule of Fight Club is. Yeah. Never talk about Fight Club. Exactly. <laughs> you just did. Yeah, so did I. Whoops. <laughs> oh no, now I'm in trouble. I, I only hope Brad Pitt comes to yell at me, not Edward Norton. Okay, um... DHS drug traffickers are spoofing border drones. The drug cartels aren't just buying gold and Uzis anymore. As the U.S. Customs and Border Protection Agency has upped its drone patrols along Mexican-Americans' Mexican border, narcotics traffickers have responded with expansive technology of their own. The bad guys on the borders have lots of money, and what they're putting money into is spoofing and jamming GPS systems. 
We're funding some advances so we can counter this, said Timothy Bennett, a science and technology program manager at the Department of Homeland Security, which oversees the CPB. Those bad guys aren't ISIS, just traffickers. Bennett said in a December 16th uh, Center for Strategic and International Studies, it's more about trafficking drugs and people, he told Defense One. We know who's over there. We can guess who's doing it. Bennett said CBP has a rapid and growing need, especially for small unmanned aerial vehicles or UAVs. But unlike larger drones designed to military specifications, many small UAVs are far more vulnerable to hacking and location spoofing. Consider how easily Chinese cybersecurity researchers Lin Hong and Queen Yang with the QIHOO360 were able to disrupt the the geofence on a DIJ Phantom drone by spoofing GPS, which is illegal in the United States. The manufacturers know it's an issue. They're not going to advertise it as an issue. It becomes cost prohibitive. They're not going to all of a sudden put it in their aircraft because it does drive the price up, said Michael Busher, CEO of Vanguard Defense Industries. Vanguard makes a drone called the Shadow Hawk, a popular purchase among local police forces near the border. Busher couldn't say how many CBP units or border law enforcement agencies do use the drones, citing non-disclosure agreements, but it was among the first UAVs to be approved for purchase with DHS grant funds, including in border areas. The Shadowhawk uses military-grade encryption and changes GPS frequencies every half a second, according to Busher. Other drone makers looking to sell to DHS have approached him to ask about hardening their aircraft against attacks. We've been contacted and they ask us what kind of military-grade encryption we use. We tell them that we tell them what the cost is and where we are purchasing it from, and then it becomes cost-prohibitive for them, he said. It's in the spoofing that's bad. That's what we've got to look into. They can make you think you are someone else. For small UAVs, it's a bigger deal. They can't do the secure GPS. There are a lot of anti-jamming systems right now that can detect it, but they're big and heavy. So you've got something that weighs 25 pounds, you add 5 pounds, and it affects its payload or it affects its duration. So the big thing now is getting that detection capacity on these small ones in a way that doesn't add weight to it. DHS was unable to say how often smugglers tried to jam or spoof border-watching UAVs, but Bennett said the attacks are hindering law enforcement abilities to map drug routes. They're out there looking, trying to find this path, and they're going through drugs, and we can't get coordinates on them because we're getting spoofed. That screws up the whole thing. We've got to fix this problem. Really? So, remember when... Jeannie, you remember back when we took the guns from the border patrol agents. Yes. Do the border patrol agents still have jobs or have we replaced them with aerial unmanned vehicles? Well, if, if the whole thing with the drones was because, you know, officers can be bought, well, let me tell you what, hacking a fucking drone is way cheaper. Yeah. I know. Well, yeah. And the, the cost and weight thing, well, yeah, since the hardened systems, all the technology and patents are owned by companies like Lockheed, Boeing, and BAE oh. Systems. Right. So they ain't going to pass on cheap versions. <laughs> no. No, of course not. You know, 
why would they? But I just think it's funny. Like I read a lot of the stuff from Defense One, which is really interesting. And that was how I found um, RoboDog. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, they built RoboDog for the Marines to take out with them when they were doing reconnaissance. Because, you know, it could carry really heavy stuff. But um, Defense One was the first place I found out that the government said, no, uh, these are unfit for combat. And I don't know, and I'm sure you've heard what RoboDog sounds like, Barry, right? You've heard the video, so you know what that sounds like. Yeah, you can sounds hear that like a swarm of, of fucking bees. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a swarm of bees. Um, and the idea that this was something that we would be able to use to replace people is kind of comical. It's really laughable. But some of the I stuff love how they always seem to use a two-stroke engine in these drones, the yeah. walking ones. Let's make yeah. it as noisy as possible. Yeah, I don't understand that. Um, and yet Boston Dynamics has done some pretty screwy shit. Um, if you want to see an example of some of the weird stuff Boston Dynamics has done... Um, there's a couple of videos on YouTube and, and one of them is from Boston Dynamics and it's called All Active Projects. Uh, and the one I find most interesting <laughs> isn't the Jaguar one, which I think everybody would find interesting because, you know, it has no front feet. What the hell are they going to replace them with? But the humanoid one, I find that one of the most interesting things they could be working on. It, uh, I'll, I'll be worried when they get it to react by pushing people back. Because you have the classic video of it is somebody trying to push it over. I know. Um, I, I can't wait for the fact where some smart arse programmer <laughs> programs it to push back. <laughs> that will kind of be interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Defense One has some really interesting stuff. It's just really long-winded. You don't want me to read it all because it's not really interesting reading. So but yeah, you're, you're right on this border thing. Yeah, why do they need so many UAVs? If they want well, basic the, surveillance, they can use high-altitude UAVs. Mm-hmm. Not these ground-hugging systems they seem to enjoy at the minute. Well, I mean, that makes as much sense as when they were actually using the balloons. Yeah. The balloons that, you know, landed near Jeannie's house. Landed is is a mild oh. description. <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't mean landed. They sort of dragged down all the telephone and electric wires within a few hundred mile radius from Maryland to Pennsylvania. So not landing, sort of a prolonged dragging. Yeah. <laughs> Until Slow it kind crash. Of... That's what it did. <laughs> but yeah, the they're going with drones because they think it's more cost effective than the old-fashioned method, which was a couple of guys in a helicopter with a big camera. Um, But it's not working out for them very well. I don't understand why. Um, What was wrong with having a human being do it? Well, to be fair, helicopters are expensive to fly. So if you want to do aerial surveillance, they are expensive. But if your drones keep getting misdirected, crashed, <laughs> stolen, the helicopter's more cost-effective. Yeah, 
just a little bit. So I really am. I don't. Um, there's like only six minutes till Alex comes on. I'm letting people know because I know people actually listen for that part of the show and not this part of the show. Um, there's only really six minutes until Alex comes on. So. Well, you must get through a fair few stories because you can hear us properly. <laughs> I, well, I know, and I'm excited about that. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> the last part of the show is really bad. I'm like, okay, I can't hear you. I'm just going to keep talking. <laughs> um, so I gave you a link earlier that I thought was actually pretty interesting. It was about they're having a public consultation, which, you know, you know what that means. That means oh, yeah, the... they've, they've got to pretend to listen to what you say. But Yeah, the usual. Yeah. Um, the nice thing about this, it's it's called Don't Wreck the Net. And, you know, anybody who's got a little time on their hands might want to look at this. Um, it's actually a way to answer the public consultation that the EU is having about um, how they're going to destroy the Internet because it's going to pretty much affect all of us. The nice part is it actually comes with a guide that kind of tells you, you know, watch out when you look, look at this question, it can mean this or this. And it really does make it a little bit easier. And I kind of wish that every petition, every public consultation in the UK or in the United States kind of came with one of these because it would make it a lot easier because most government jargon is not written in a way that's easy to understand. Well, all the uh, recent petitions to do with e-cigs and everything. Oh, they do. That's partly but... what the advocates get up to, is we shall translate the, this for to make it easy for people to fill out. Um, so, yeah, all the latest petitions over here tend to have guides with them. Well, I mean, uh, that's that's a good thing. I mean, we don't really have that here. In fact, I think I can actually talk about from the Electronic Frontier Foundation. I love them. I think they're wonderful. Human research loopholes alive and well. In one of the darkest chapters in medical ethics, the United States government ran an experiment in the 1930s to the 1970s in which it withheld treatment and public and medical information from rural African-American men suffering with syphilis. Public uproar generated by the Tuskegee syphilis study eventually resulted in regulations restricting government-supported testing on humans. These regulations are called the Common Rule, and they are right now up for their first full update. The Common Rule, also known as the Federal Policy for the Protection of Human Subjects, is supposed to affirmatively protect us from the abuses of the future. However, the proposed regulation is lousy with loopholes, including ones that could exempt tracking online behavior and experiments related to intelligence activities. Um, there's a way to file a comment. In a, it's, it's through a relation, regulations.gov link. I'm just going to keep reading this, and I'll stick the regulations.gov link in chat. And uh, that's also by tomorrow, just for, you know, People who've got a lot of time on their hands, I guess. Um, what is the common rule? The common rule was created in 1991 as the outgrowth of the Belmont Report. 
a series of ethical and principles and guidelines created by the National Commission for the Protection of Human Subjects of Biomedical and Behavioral Research, what a mouthful, to address issues raised by the Tuskegee experiment. The common rule claims to strike a balance between three goals identified in the Belmont Report. One, respecting persons. Two, beneficence, i.e. maximizing the social value of science and research. And three, justice. This federal policy purportedly binds the Department of Health and Human Services and numerous other agencies, including the CIA, the Department of Homeland Security, per Executive Order 12333. But as we've seen, these agencies are adept at honing in on small loopholes. So the proposed language needs a serious edit if it's going to provide any real protection. AFF filed a comment when HHS first proposed this update in 2011, and we are drafting a new comment laying out our biggest concerns to file by January 6, 2016, the biospecimen consent loophole. Perhaps the most glaring problem in the proposed rule is its weak update of the ethical practices around biospecimen or biological samples, such as blood, toenails, or DNA taken from human beings. The proposed rule requires only broad consent before researchers exempt from secondary research, research done on leftover biospecimen after the initial purpose for the draw is complete, from review by independent ethics boards. This kind of consent is no consent at all. It doesn't let human subjects know what the future biospecimen research entails, how it will affect them, or how the biospecimen research data will be shared. These specimens contain DNA that are more likely to be identifiable given the rise of genetic databases. With the genomic-related research and technologies of great potential benefit, its rapid evolution also presents significant risk and ultimately to privacy and social control given the increasing use by law enforcement and government of genetic identification, the public behavior loophole. Sorry, Alex, I'm going to be a little late. We're also concerned that the rule proposes an ethics review exemption for all studies collecting public behavior as long as that information is uninfluenced by the investigators and properly anonymized. In the first place, this places too much trust in the benefits of what currently qualifies as anonymization. Anonymization. Traditional de-identification techniques are often no match for modern data analytics. Second, the common rule cannot be considered a modern ethical standard if it potentially leaves sensitive internet traffic beyond protection merely because it is not occurring in a single private physical place in one's home. Knowing what we know about the impact of tracking who gathers where and with whom they communicate, is it is inexcusable to ignore the danger of creating language flexible enough to risk entirely exempting the subject matter from review. The Intelligent Service Activities Loophole. Lastly, HHS proposes absolute ethics review exemptions for intelligent surveillance activities. This would exempt actions conducted to fulfill a department or agency's legal mandate to ensure the safety and protection of the United States, its people, and its national security interests. The government is professing to fence DHS and CIA in through the EO 12333, but they're actually building in a gaping breach for them to stroll right back out through. Existing law under the Health Insurance Probability and Accountability Act privacy rule already includes a national security exemption that permits doctors, hospitals, and any other covered entity to disclose individual health information to authorize federal officials for the conduct of lawful intelligence counterintelligence, and other national security activities not authorized by the National Security Act. But this is an exemption that needs to be patched over, not replicated. The loopholes discussed above are just a sample of many we hope to force the HHS to reckon with when we file our comments. Um, Okay. Um, The reason I found this really, really interesting 
was, does anybody remember when the government was conducting human experimentations a couple of years ago on just average people? They were pumping um, fuel exhaust into chambers. They were sitting, you know, people with asthma in, people who had heart conditions, people who were overweight. And they never told them what a problem this could be. And some of those people had heart attacks and some of them came close to dying. And the government withheld this information from them and never told them why they were testing this. And the classic from a little while ago with the nuclear dust over cities. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that was interesting and something people should, you know, It's the usual. They're suggesting a rewrite which puts more loopholes in than it sorts. You know, it's almost like the government's just there to perpetuate itself. Well, I <laughs> all governments, yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, I guess we should try Alex. Yep. Okay. Let's see if I can get him. Okay. Good evening, Alex. Good evening. Good evening and welcome to the CASA update for the week of 1-4-2016 and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Alex. So it looks like it's going to be an exciting time. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't it? Man, you know, like the body's not even cold on 2015 and, you know, know. here we are. I'm, I'm looking... Uh, at a uh, tax bill for Maine, which was isn't even in session yet, and they don't allow pre-filing. So this is actually something that was carried over from last session. Um, right. um, but it, it will be working on something for this. Uh, it's kind of hard to do. I, I mean, I guess I, I don't know how they, they work up there. Um, clearly, they've got some crazy ideas about how to tax electronic cigarettes. Um, but, uh, yeah, their session does not start until, um, uh, I had this up earlier, main, 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 their session starts on the 6th. So, uh, in two days, um, so we'll probably get something out in the next couple of days. Uh, and then there is a hearing scheduled for this tax bill on the 13th. Wow. Um, so that Man, is, they don't mess around. No, uh, next Wednesday. Well, this is something that was from last session, so uh, I guess it, you know, has had time to sit around or something. Um, But, uh, yeah, if anybody's curious and you want to do a little homework in advance, um, check out Title 36, Chapter 703, Cigarette Tax in the Maine Revised Statutes. Essentially, what this bill will do is redefine cigarette to include electronic cigarette, uh, which would subject uh, e-cigarettes to all of the tax, everything that is uh, imposed on regular cigarettes. So stamps and blah, blah, blah. Um, it's it's pretty ridiculous. I, I yeah, I don't want to speculate on what you know the success or failure of this is going to be, but um, 
this is a, this is kind of a different one. Most of the time, we see it being redefined as tobacco or um, just straight up saying we're just going to tax vapor products. There you go. Um, but this is redefining cigarette to mean or electronic cigarette. Um, okay. So that'll be interesting. <sighs> um, yeah. So yeah, right out of the bat, right out of the gate, where here we are talking about tax bills. Um, there is also a tax bill that was pre-filed in Kentucky. Um, let's see. I have two. Uh, one is uh, BR801, um, and uh, another one changes the definition of tobacco product. Uh, actually, this does not have anything to do with the e-cigarette. So BR801 is, is something that we'll be keeping an eye on um, in Kentucky starts their legislative session tomorrow um so uh that's yeah this week we've got about uh when we have 14 states that will be in session by the end of the week um yeah california started their session today um i don't don't even know why they take a break in california they should just (laughs) they they love making their law um so uh yeah, that's that. I, and, you know, this year, I think by this time last year, I had uh, our legislative preview up and running uh, because we had uh, a handful of, of bills that had been pre-filed um, this year. The only pre-filed bill that I was able to see was uh, the one in Kentucky. So either they you know, legislative sessions, there's carryover, there's off years, there's you know, intense years. And so this is 2016 being an election year also um, yeah. might uh, change maybe how things pop up or they okay. just, you know, figured, you know, wow, these vapor people are crazy. Let's not give them any advance warning. <laughs> um, so which would make this, you know, the next two months, you know, a little bit more scary. Uh, so, uh, pretty anxious to see how that plays out. Um, so, uh, those are the two things I feel like there was, I I know that you put together this list and I want to, um, refer to that. Um, so it's been, has it been like three weeks since we've done an update? Uh, it's only two. Can you believe it? Wow. (laughs) I know. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of the holidays, so everything just feels longer from like, I mean, Thanksgiving to after New Year's just, it could be yeah. its own own year. Um, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> oh, I, but, I, I hear you. I deal with the public. I'm right there with you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess the big news uh, is that, uh, you know, the Chicago vapor tax um, is... Uh, enacted. Ugh. I don't even really want to talk about it. Everybody knows about it. Um, uh, it, It's a, it's a horrible, horrible tax. And uh, one thing I will say is that uh, there are more than one group uh, calling for mayor Emanuel to resign. Um, (laughs) So if you are one of those people that's inclined to jump on bandwagons, um, that's a pretty, uh, important bandwagon to jump on. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, 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 
ESIG people are obviously not the only people that Emmanuel has run the foul of. So um, uh, I believe hashtag uh, ROM resign is pretty popular on Twitter. <laughs> um, vaping truth is also a, a popular hashtag. Um, be sure to include some actual vaping truth in that because the Chicago Department of Public Health won't include any in their campaign. Oh, no. Um, so, uh, and, and speaking of uh, potentially useful information, I was just browsing it uh, before we, we got on the, the air here. Um, uh, Carl has released our survey data, or data, uh, from uh, the, the CASA survey that we, we put together um, the last couple months of 2015. Um, so that is available uh, in the uh, Anti-THR Lives blog. Um, so feel free to check that out. Um, and this was part of information that we presented to OIRA, I believe. <sighs> um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I almost forgot. I'm talking about st- calls to action that we haven't gotten around to yet, but there was something really great that happened uh, in the, the last week and a half of 2015. Um for those who don't know, uh, Iowa Attorney General Tom Miller uh, released uh, a statement pretty much, uh, maybe not so much in support of electronic cigarettes, but at the very least in support of having a reasoned conversation about electronic cigarettes. And uh, we, CASA, uh, is, is very appreciative of him taking the opportunity to use his position to somewhat set the record straight about uh, vapor products. Um, In his news release, he sort of uh, fights back against some of the misinformation that's been promoted and makes a very good point that it is unfortunate that millions of smokers believe electronic cigarettes to be just as harmful as smoking. so uh, we have put together our own thank you, Attorney General Miller campaign. Um, I, it's available on our blog, and uh, everybody should have gotten an email today. Uh, and so if you don't live in Iowa, there is a pre-written letter that you can uh, – it's, it's, it's on a Google Doc. If you would like to add your uh, personal story – copy and paste it into your own Word doc program, add your story, print it out, and mail it to Attorney General Tom Miller because uh, I believe you can send him email, but this is more just, you know, for residents outside of the state. Right. And then, of course, you can share A.G. Miller's comments with your own Attorney General. And the A.G.'s being... uh, the, I don't know if they were the, well, the, the, the attorney general's involvement in the master settlement agreement and <laughs> oh, all yeah. things tobacco uh, is, uh, is very significant. So it's, oh, yeah, very, it is. it's very, very important to put some pressure on your attorney general and um, help to amplify uh, A.G. Miller's comments. Um, this was something that didn't really get, you know, when when 
a dozen or more AGs get together and sign a letter saying, you know, e-cigarette flavors are corrupting your children. Um, it, it, you know, it splashed across the media like, you know, like a 50 car pileup or something. Right. Uh, but you know, an attorney general comes out and says, "No, no, no, wait. We're gonna we're gonna be adults about this, and I'm gonna set the record straight." Mm-hmm. Suddenly, no one's interested. So, um, it's 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 very important to help amplify his statement and uh, and get that in the hands of. I'm sure they all go to breakfast together and you know, have you know already <laughs> given them a bunch of grief about it. But um, you know, now it's our turn to give them some grief for spreading misinformation and lies. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that's that. Um, the other thing that came out, uh, this is a New Jersey oriented thing. Um, from time to time, states will pass resolutions. They don't have any, there's no legal, uh, implications for, for these resolutions. It's, you know, it's like a proclamation, you know, I hereby declare this pizza to be awesome. There are any <laughs> Mr. Show fans in the, in the crowd. Um, the, uh, the resolutions are to, in, in New Jersey, are to encourage the federal government to regulate electronic cigarettes, um, which, you know, according to our assessment and the assessment of other very knowledgeable and wise people, uh, is that that regulation is a horrible idea. So uh, if you are a New Jersey resident, please take a moment to send a, a message to your New Jersey lawmakers telling them to oppose this resolution. Uh, even though it's symbolic, it still gives us an opportunity to engage in this dialogue and, of course, educate our state lawmakers that, the, the proposed regulations for e-cigarettes are horrible and, you know, kind of just take that, unpack that a little bit and say, you know, this is, this is not, this isn't something that the New Jersey legislature should be supporting. This mm-hmm. isn't the something, this isn't something that the New Jersey legislature should emulate in any way. Right. Um, and, and, you know, if anything, there should be a resolution condemning the FDA regulations um, not that I, I don't think I put that in the, in the letter, but you know, something along those lines. So, uh-huh. uh, if you live in New Jersey, please tell them to oppose this. Um, and st- stuff like this gets kind of rubber stamped. It's feel good kind of like, Oh yeah, that's great. Protect mm-hmm. the children. Um, so, uh, you know, some sort of vocal opposition to that would be, would be very helpful. Um, and, um, I guess the rest of this is, I, you know, I, I haven't, um, I feel like there was more. Am I, did I miss something? The holidays oh. totally screw me up. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. But um, there there will uh, there will never be, a, there's not going to be a shortage of these stories for a little while. Not while, not while legislators are uh, back in office. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting year. Um, Julie has already threatened that my life is going to suck for the next couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I have to say, I'm, I'm actually, uh, it, it's it's interesting. And it's, uh, you know, it's worth fighting. So it, it doesn't it doesn't suck that hard. <laughs> um, 
it's uh, yeah, but you you like legislation and stuff, sitting there and reading it and untangling it and trying to figure out how how the iron triangle works. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I don't, but I you know, I can understand if somebody who really liked legislation wasn't involved with untangling it would be interesting and fun for them. Yeah. Yeah, um, trying to. I guess the other thing that uh, since I don't have, I, I did start on kind of a review of 2015, um, looking back to kind of look forward, and I, I can't remember if we talked about this last time, um, but uh, Tobacco 21 is going to be probably the new dance craze in state legislatures this year, I mean, on top of taxes and indoor use bans. Um, oh, that was, that does remind me. Uh, the other thing about attorney general, Tom Miller, there was a news piece that followed. It was kind of a local Iowa news piece that followed his, his news statement. And uh, it, it's, it's interesting to me that he is, advocating for a reasoned discussion about electronic cigarettes yet uh, is making a public statement saying that he's supportive of indoor use prohibitions, um, which is, you know, if you've been following Kassaw for any length of time, you know that our position is that any laws that treat these products the same as cigarettes sends a confusing message. So uh, there is a little bit in the, the, the letter that we've put together, you know, sort of challenging his position on that and asking him to sort of rethink it. Um, and uh, again, this year, I'm sure that we will see lots of attempts to prohibit use indoors. Um, Greg was kind enough to remind me that the Oregon indoor use prohibitions went into effect at the first of the year. Um, Oregon is operating under New Jersey rules, which is no vaping anywhere. Um, I guess, except for outside, uh, you can still think about vaping and, um, you can vape on a public street, but you cannot vape in a vape shop. Yes. So Oregon, um, (laughs) and I guess, you know, the, the temptation is certainly there to want to advance legislation that would repeal some of this horrible policy. Um, But uh, I I will just say to to kind of measure everybody's expectations, we're not, we're not there yet. The the industry isn't there. The consumer, the community isn't there yet. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a lot of money that goes into uh, writing and introducing and babysitting a bill through the process to make sure that it doesn't get turned into something ugly So, um, uh, you know, it'll take some time. Unfortunately, these bills will do some damage while they are law, but, um, uh, it's, uh, it's just kind of one of those realities of, of making law that, you know, you need a lot of money to do it. Um, and I know that there's some, some, some spirited conversation about how wrong and evil that is, but, uh, you know which we are in the position that we're in. So we've got to work with what we got. Um, enough of that. 
Um, so, uh, so yeah, uh, Tobacco 21 will be a big deal. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like I'm kind of rambling on and losing my path here. So I'll, I'll just try to cut it short and just let everybody know that, um, uh, you know, once again, we're, we're keeping an eye. We've got a feel is out everywhere. We, we're, uh, keeping an eye on, it, on legislation that's being introduced and, um, we'll be working hard to make sure you know what's going on and ways that you can take action and engage with lawmakers. Okay. Sounds good. And I'm sure that next week's installment of this update is just going to be horrible. <laughs> it's going to be one alert after another, isn't it? And Eventually. And, yeah. 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 We're heading back to that time again. Okay. I hope you enjoyed your little break. It's I I I've been, I work in customer service too, so there's no break. I had a few I had a few days off there, but most of that's just sort of recovering for the past couple of days and getting ready for the next few. So yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Yep. Well, thank you for everything you do for us, Alex. Um, have a great night. And we'll see Thanks. you next week. Thank Happy you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Okay. And. And. Yeah. <laughs> hmm? and? and I don't even know what to say. Um. What can you say, really? Yeah, they're uh, they're uh, they're up to their they're up to their same little tricks again, I guess. Yeah, they always will be, as per usual. Um, oh, and someone in chat did mention, and it's worth talking about the German Parliament petition. Yes. That's really something, that's something that anybody can do. Um, yeah. So, um, you can just go to Facebook and, and look for <laughs> Norbert Zillatron, I guess. Yeah. Uh, that would be the easiest way to find this stuff. Okay. There's a lovely guide available for people who don't speak German as well. Yeah, his his written one is fantastic, actually, which is great. Um, okay, we talked about Oregon. Okay, guess we're going to talk about the NSA. Jeannie, you still here? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Microphone, but that's okay. Okay. Spying on Congress in Israel. NSA cheerleaders discover value of privacy only when their own is violated. The Wall Street, that was Glenn Greenwald, by the way, so, yeah. The Wall Street Journal reported yesterday that the NSA, under President Obama, targeted Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and his top aides for surveillance. In the process, the agency ended up eavesdropping on the contents of some of their private conversations with U.S. lawmakers and American Jewish groups about how to sabotage the Iran deal. All sorts of people who spent many years cheering for and defending the NSA 
and its programs of mass surveillance are suddenly indignant now that they know the eavesdropping included them and their American and Israeli friends rather than just ordinary, and my word in here, smelly people. The longtime GOP chairman of the House of Intelligence Committee and unyielding NSA defender Pete Hokestra last night was truly indignant to learn of this surveillance. Wall Street Journal reported that the NSA responded on Congress and Israel communications, very disturbing, actually outrageous, maybe unprecedented abuse of power. That was what he tweeted. NSA and Obama officials need to be investigated and prosecuted. If any truth to Wall Street Journal reports, NSA loses all credibility. Scary. Same from at Pete Hochestra, uh, December 30th, 2015. And that was his tweet. In January 2014, I debated Representative Hokestra about NSA spying, and he could not have been more mocking and dismissive of the privacy concerns I was invoking. Spying is a matter of fact, he scoffed. As Andrew Keats, the journalist who covered that debate, reported, Hokestra laughs at foreign governments who are shocked they've been spied on because they too gather information, referring to anger from German and Brazilian leaders. As TechDirt noted, Hokestra attacked a bill called the Restore Act that would have granted a tiny bit more oversight to situations where, you guessed it, the NSA was collecting information on Americans. But all of that, of course, was before Hokestra knew that he and his Israeli friends were swept up in the spying of which he was so fond. Now that he knows that it is his privacy and those of his comrades that have been invaded, he is no longer so cavalier about it. In fact, he's so furious that this longtime NSA cheerleader is actually calling for the criminal prosecution of the NSA and Obama officials for the crime of spying on him and his friends. This pattern, whereby political officials who are vehement supporters of the surveillance state transform overnight into crusading privacy advocates once they learn they themselves have been spied on, is one that has been repeated over and over. It has been seen as many times as part of the Snowden revelations, but also well before that. In 2005, the New York Times revealed that the Bush administration ordered the NSA to spy on the telephone calls of Americans without warrants required by law, and the paper ultimately won the Pulitzer Prize for doing so. The politicians who did more than anyone to suffocate that scandal and ensure there were no consequences was then-Congresswoman Jane Hammond, the ranking Democratic member on the House Intelligence Committee. In the wake of that NSA scandal, Harmon went on every TV show she could find and categorically defended Bush's warrantless NSA programs as both, quote, legal and necessary, as well as essential to U.S. national security. Where she railed against despicable whistleblower Thomas Tam, who discovered this crime, and even suggested that the newspaper that reported it should have been criminally investigated. But of course, the law-breaking government, if it not, but of course, not the law-breaking government officials who ordered the spying. Because she was the leading House Democrat on the issue of the NSA, her steadfast support for Bush-Cheney's secret warrantless surveillance programs in the NSA generally created the impressions that the support for this program was bipartisan. But in 2009, a mere four years later, Dean Harmon did a 180 reversal. That's because it was revealed that her own private conversations had been eavesdropped on by the NSA. Specifically, GQ's Jeff Stein reported that an NSA wiretap caught Harmon telling a suspect, suspected Israeli agent that she would lobby the Justice Department to reduce the espionage charges against two officials of the American-Israeli Public Affairs Committee in exchange for the agent's agreement to lobby Nancy Pelosi to name Harmon chair of the House Intelligence Committee. Harmon vehemently denied that she sought this quid pro quo, 
but she was so furious that she herself, rather than just ordinary citizens, had been eavesdropped on by the NSA, that, just like Pete Hocaster did yesterday, transformed overnight into an aggressive and eloquent defender of privacy rights and demanded investigations of the spying agency that she had for so long defended. I call it an abuse of power in a letter I wrote to Attorney General Eric Holder this morning. I'm just very disappointed that my country, I'm an American citizen just like you are, could have permitted what I think is a gross abuse of power in recent years. I am one member of Congress who may have been caught up in it, and I have a bully pulpit, and I can fight back. I'm thinking about others who have no bully pulpit and may not be aware, as I was not, that someone is listening in on their conversations and they're innocent Americans. The stalwart defender of NSA spying learned her own conversations had been monitored, and she instantly began sounding like an ACLU lawyer or Edward Snowden. Isn't that amazing? The same thing happened when Diane Feinstein, fucking bitch, one of the few members of Congress who could complete with Orchestra and Harmon for the title of most subversive defender of the intelligence community, I can honestly say I didn't know a bigger booster for the CIA than Senator Feinstein, said her colleague Senator Martin Heinrich. Learned in 2014 that she and her torture investigating Senate committee had been spied on by the CIA. Feinstein, who until then had never met an NSA mass surveillance program that she didn't adore, was utterly filled with rage over this discovery, arguing that the CIA's search of the staff's computers might well have violated the Fourth Amendment. The Fourth Amendment. She further pronounced that she had grave concerns that CIA snooping may also have violated the separation of power principles embridled in the United States Constitution. During the Snowden reporting, it was common to see foreign governments react with indifference until they learned that they themselves, rather than just their untouchable subjects, were subject to spying. The first reports we did both in Germany and Brazil were about mass surveillance aimed at hundreds of millions of innocent people in those countries' populations, and both Merkel and Rousseff governments reacted with the most cursory, vacant objections. It was obvious they really couldn't have cared less. When both leaders discovered they had been personally targeted, that was when real outrage poured forth and did serious damage to diplomatic relations with the U.S. So now, with yesterday's Wall Street Journal report, we witnessed the tawdry spectacle of large numbers of people who for years were fine with, responsible for, and even giddy about NSA mass surveillance suddenly objecting. Now they've learned that they themselves, or the officials of the foreign country they most love, have been caught up in this surveillance dragnet, and they can hardly contain their indignation. Overnight, privacy is of the highest value, because now it's their privacy, rather than just yours that is invaded. Thoughts? Anybody oh, got any? I feel so bad for them. <laughs> it's like, oh no, they can't have dodgy backdoor meetings. Those poor guys. <laughs> they are bastards. They are bastards. And, you know, I just don't understand why, you know, you wouldn't think you would be caught up in that. I mean, that's kind of like what's happening Parliament and the spying. Yeah. Didn't something similar like that happen in the UK, Barry? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. Politicians forget the security agency is there to serve the country, not the politicians. So when they say they want to spy on everybody, they mean everybody. <laughs> but politicians... <laughs> Don't get that. They don't think they're us. They're us. Yeah. But us. It's just amazing to me that they don't think they're us. They are us. 
I mean, whether they like it or not, special. and whether we like it or not. <laughs> but they think they're special and unique, and they are anything but. Most of them are quite special, but not in the way they think. <laughs> That's true. I think most politicians are unqualified for any other job on earth. Yeah. Well, most of the leaders in the UK at the minute have never had actual jobs. All they've ever done is work in politics. Well, I think so, that yeah, most they have no idea what's going on I... in the world. I think a lot of politicians are like that. You know, they're just older, rich people that have no other skill. Well, they have no skills. Not no other skills. They have no fucking skills. Go ahead. No, no, no. Loads of the ones in the UK graduated from quite good universities with degrees in politics. That's what I mean. They've never had to do a real job. There's a degree. You can get a degree in politics. I mean, I, I know there's political science, but... Well, they must have, well, for politicians, I think they must have a degree from Looney Tunes University. Was Acme, Acme Industries? Yeah. Isn't that the one who sold all the stuff to the coyote when he was trying to catch the roadrunner? All the stuff they yeah, didn't they, work? Yeah, they keep the uh, the politicians' brains next to the giant anvils. <laughs> Occasionally the anvils fall over and squish a brain, but it's okay. They're rubbery and just spring back. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's um, that's ridiculous. I don't understand how some of these people get elected, but I do like that they think once they're elected, they're special and untouchable. Well, you linked to that story earlier about was it uh, parliamentarians in the UK? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God, they want to put us in a hostile type situation. Yeah. Like we're normal. <laughs> yeah, they were mad. Yeah. They're mad because they're spending so much money on housing allowances for them in the UK that they want to build them dormitories. What's wrong with living in a dorm? If it really is public service that you're doing... The unnamed who came back with, they expect us to slum it. Well, yeah. (laughs) No. Actually, mate, yes. (laughs) Well, no, not really. We expect them to act like normal people. Yeah. You're either in it to do public, public service yeah. or not. And if you're not in it to do public service, you need to separate yourself out from the chaff now and we'll get about electing someone who actually gives a shit about people. Or something like that. It sounded good, right? Yeah. No. Unfortunately, even the ones that start saying they're going to serve the public and be all nice and friendly. After after a couple of years, yeah, they're like all the others. Well, that's why term limits are a good thing. You shouldn't get to be in Parliament or in Congress or occupying any office where you have any sort of authority over anybody politically for more than like two years. Or anything more than that, you just turn into a megalomaniac. The only trouble with two years is It'd make the insane arguing over stupid things even worse. And no policy would ever get made that was of any use to anyone. Because they'd just be aiming for that two years. At the minute, politicians only pay attention to what's going to happen in the current incumbency. 
they don't give a shit beyond that. So if you shorten it to two years, it'll get even worse. I don't know. Maybe we just don't. Or they would make sure that shit got done faster so that they could see the fruits of their labors. Yeah, that's how the TPD came about, though. Oh, Lewis Black had it right. About how you elect someone. You don't have elections. You just kind of... Lottery. Throw a monkey out of an airplane and the first person it walks up to and grabs their... Well, it wears a parachute course that goes off apparently automatically and the first person it walks up to and grabs their hand that's your new president it can't be any worse than the system we have just could have sort of a mini system for electing in that town where those people um yeah didn't know anything a few weeks back oh that was the town the that didn't power. want to yeah. the solar power yeah they didn't want yeah, don't solar drop the monkey there suck all yeah. the energy out of the sun People are disappointing. I think that's the thing. I am looking at properties that are <laughs> off good as possible. Yeah, but at least you don't, you know, I, you don't actually live around people that are that are that um, misinformed, do you? Um, I would bet there are some people here that are that dumb. You know. I don't know. Um, and I'm going to bring this up, and I probably shouldn't. Does anybody remember a couple of weeks ago when Montel Williams was telling people that if we deported all these people from the country, that it was only right of armed U.S. citizens to storm the White House? <laughs> the story gets better. Does, does anyone remember that or no? I don't, because I'm in the wrong country. I didn't post that because I didn't know. Okay. Okay, so recently (laughs) he got on Twitter and said that um, they should use massive amounts of deadly force to get rid of the Oregon protesters. Specifically, they should release the hounds of the National Guard on these people and shoot them to death. So I think that's an interesting turn from one extreme to the other, and it's just kind of interesting the way people... Um... Well, Wait, is he pro-gun control? No. Uh, I guess, depending on the day. Is he pro-gun control? I guess, depending on which day you're talking about, probably. I can't tell. Is that Depends just sounds what like demographic he's aiming for in his audience. Because, yeah. yeah, it all comes down to the fact he's a TV personality who's just a bit upset that he's not as big a personality as he used to be. So he's taken to seeking, saying stupid things to attract attention. And everybody wonders why I want to take my husband and go out and live in the woods with our bees and our critters and fuck you. You know, I, believe me, I, I don't wonder. I just think it's ridiculous. I just think it's ridiculous. Um, it's just my husband's like, well, do you know what the internet would be like their wife? And I'm like, I don't care. I, I really, at this point, could you? You should, you should I, go to a friend's house who has HughesNet. And try living with that for like a day or so. 
and and then tell me how you feel about it really but here's the thing i i could very easily live without the internet for the rest of my life i really could i don't know if i could i mean i i you know what i do think i could so actually spent a lot more time just like reading books lately I feel a lot happier I couldn't because I have to download the books <laughs> <laughs> well yeah but I ran into that um, uh, I've been reading a series of books and I ran into um, the situation where you know the books were like 99 cents so sure I can read that I can read that that's not a problem and then all of a sudden Print books became actually cheaper than computer programs, which is odd. And I don't have any problem with downloading books. It's just bits and bytes. And the whole infrastructure of information and technology has really changed how we interact with and how people make money. So I don't have a problem with downloading that stuff. Um, oh. But this was an author I really wanted to support. Go ahead. Very. doesn't your McDonald's have free Wi-Fi? Yeah, but it's shit. My phone oh, does well, better. Just downloading books. I mean, that's my thing. You know, I mean, <laughs> we could we could go to town once a month, Jan, and I could sit at McDonald's and download fifty new books onto my Kindle, and not give a fuck. Um, it really would bother me. I would I would love to spend my days tinkering in the gardens and and hunting with my husband. I I would absolutely love that. And the more human beings piss me off the easier that decision gets. I have a friend I have a friend that says I want a new planet. Um yeah, I'm I'm very quickly, especially with the bullshit that's going on in, in, in my life on a daily basis and the fact that people do exact opposite of what other people have, have asked them to do for them mm-hmm. um as their lives, the the easier it is for me to say, fuck this shit. You know, I, um, and that's, I don't know. It's kind of why I think I said things are going to balkanize, whether we want them to or not. Um, I did find something that made me laugh. You know, that stupid thing on Facebook everybody's doing where, what was your most used words on Facebook this year? (laughs) Do you know what mine were? You know what mine was, but no, I don't know what yours are. What was yours, Dan? Just don't. (laughs) <laughs> just don't yeah I thought that was fun I, I was going to do it but I didn't want to disable all my blocking stuff to let the <laughs> algorithm I did run. it just just to see just because I thought it was hysterical and uh, honestly the stuff I have on Facebook is not um, I don't want to say it's not me or it's not radically honest but if you want to get a sense of me you're going to get more of a sense of me from this than you are from that. Because, um... I say myself more on Facebook than I do, like, when I'm talking to you or when I'm doing my show or when I'm talking to people that actually know me. You know, um, my, my dad has Facebook, and my dad would be really offended if I got on Facebook and went, fuck all you stupid pieces of shit. Yeah, but that would be an epic post, and I'm sure people would would share it all over the place. See, I'm safe, because I've always been a sarcastic evil git. So, 
Everybody knows it. I, uh... I don't know. I Like I said, I think you get a better sense of me from here than you do anywhere else. Uh, on Twitter, I'm nothing like I am in real life. On Facebook, it's just pretty much news stories or book recommendations or things like that. I don't really talk about me, and there's a reason for that. Um, We've lost Jeannie. Oh, no. Come back, Jeannie. Oh, I feel like, I feel like it's the end of Shane. Shane, Shane, <laughs> come back, Shane. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, internet not happy. Yeah. No, the internet really isn't. I don't. Uh... It's all these people that have got like new streaming boxes and shit for Christmas. They're just using up all the bandwidth, watching crap TV. I don't know. You know, I got to tell you, I'm actually kind of excited about the X Files coming back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But for some reason, politically, we're in a completely different place than we were when it first came out. And a lot of the things about spying and stuff, I just think it's going to be interesting. And it's kind of nice that something I actually like is coming back to TV. I'm looking forward to Twin Peaks when it comes back. Yeah. Um, if that's as surreal and trippy as the original, that's going to give a lot of people some thought. Yeah. You back, Miss Jeannie? I lost my internet completely. Like, everything went... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's any consolation. Cell Your internet sounds a bit better. It's just crazy. I don't know. Um, what's the one thing you want for 2016? Anybody can answer this. Go think about it. I I want people to start looking at things for the greater good, not the not the most offended. I would like people to care about things that don't affect them because they affect someone else. Oh, I know mine. Okay. I want people to think for themselves. Nice. That's it. Nothing else. They've got to think for themselves. Let Darwin, Darwinism, <laughs> take care of. Uh... <laughs> Let Darwin sort out the sort out the idiots who try to blow up condom machines and kill themselves. Yeah. From the rest of us. That'd be a start. <laughs> Um, I've got two. I want everyone to get exactly what they deserve. Take that any way you wish. And I want people to realize there's just different shades of gray. There isn't a black or a white. There's nothing is as easy as you think it is. And everything requires thinking. So that leads back to your think for yourself, I guess. Well, the first one, uh, That'll cause, like, queuing in hell. I mean... <laughs> I know. <laughs> especially, you know, that hopefully in the coming year, Beelzebub <laughs> will be running a nightclub in Los Angeles. So, yeah. Back to the TV <laughs> reference, folks. Yeah, that actually... If, if Lucifer is anything like the leaked pilot, that's going to be some good TV. 
Oh, yeah. And, yes, this is the person who said they killed their TV. Um, there comes a point, though, where, like, even I've read so much stuff that it's just... It's almost too painful to look at this stuff and go, there's so much of it happening. I don't know what to talk about. I don't know... No, everything feels like it's under attack and it can't possibly be that way, right? I look out my window and there's the woods and I live in a quiet place and it's not like that. So everything can't possibly be as bad as I think it is. I don't know. There's something nice about escaping from this stuff once in a while. And, you know... A few decent hours of TV a week will do it. Well, at least lets you uh, disengage parts of your brain. I like the decompression aspect. Yeah. That's fun. That's a good thing. And I know you like... Gene, uh, you've been watching some of the reality shows, haven't you? Um, the ones about uh, the people trying to make it in Alaska. Have you been watching that? Yes, I watch all them. If it wasn't so fucking cold there, I'd live there. Yeah. Um, funny thing, Alaska's actually lost so much money in oil revenue this year, they're actually talking about taxing people for the first time. People are kind of freaking out. but <laughs> And they're like, we don't get our stipend? Wait, wait, wait. Not only are we not getting our stipend, and you're going to tax us? What the fuck is that? <laughs> it's very strange, but it's, I don't know. See, you've talked about Alaska. Now I'm getting flashbacks to Northern Exposure. Remember oh, that show? well. Oh, <laughs> wow. The, the newest uh, show uh, I like, Janet, actually, that I have been searching out, watching every episode that I can, is Unplugged. Uh-huh. Right. I just don't know where these people get this amount of money for these houses, but um, other than the price of the, the houses and such, it, it's a really cool show. It, can you actually do this and survive and be happy? And and I guess from the way I was raised, um, mm-hmm. it's a little easier for people to say, yeah, I can do this. Um, I don't have a problem providing protein for myself. Right. I don't. I mean, I'm fully cognizant of the fact that meat comes from live animals. There's a lot of people that aren't. I swear to God, there are people really on this planet that think chicken nuggets are just this stuff made in a factory. That, you know, it, it didn't actually come from a chicken. In some cases, they would be right on that. Well, yeah, that's... <laughs> Uh, a lot, a lot of times, don't forget a, a chicken nugget is is also quite a lot of soy protein and a bunch of other. My dads. dad, my dad used to say that chicken nuggets were all the pieces parts, and my little sister who loved chicken nuggets said to my dad, "What do you mean pieces and parts?" He said, "Oh, you know the chicken lips and assholes." <laughs> <laughs> if my sister wouldn't touch a chicken nugget for like two years. And then a couple of years ago, Jamie Oliver was putting film of mechanically recovered meat all over the place. That was pretty disgusting. She'd have been getting flashbacks. (laughs) (laughs) That shit is nasty. It just looks gross. I don't know. Pink slime. Yeah, lovely stuff. 
and it's, I don't know. I think it's, it's harder for people who've never, if you've never lived on a farm or you've never gone hunting, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy for people um, who've never experienced it. Most people I know who hunt, they hunt for food. They don't do it for a trophy. So when they're preparing a carcass, they're not treating it like they would in like a big factory farm. It's pretty freaking gross. The funniest thing for me, having grown up in the countryside and done a lot of hunting and the like, mm-hmm. is people just aren't prepared for somebody my size to make no noise walking up behind them. <laughs> it's it's all in how you walk. If yeah. you actually walk correctly, the way you are physically made to walk, you won't make noise. Yeah, you're because otherwise the big tooth nasty tiger thing will come and eat you. Yeah. <laughs> um. But well, yeah, that's the one that always gets me. People are like, "Oh, we need to put a bell on you." <laughs> I actually get that. I get that at home quite a lot. You don't make any noise. Well, yeah, it's a useful skill. Believe me, it's a good thing. Well, when um, I used to go hunting with a partner, he was so noisy. He grew up in a town. And yeah, you'd hear him half a mile away. He's stepping <laughs> on every dry twig, rustling every leaf. <laughs> and then I'd, I'd walk up behind him and scare the shit out of him. <laughs> Which possibly wasn't the best idea, considering we both had rifles. But, you know. <laughs> you just weren't afraid. No. Yeah. I hadn't seen the dark. I knew which way his rifle was pointing. For you. I don't know. I, um... I'm excited about some of this new stuff, and I threw up a link in chat, which I kind of wish I had wish I hadn't um, and it's a story that says essentially if Hillary Clinton's elected she plans to investigate Roswell in Area 51 Oh, she's going to investigate the deliberate government cover-up that's been covered up and all the records of it have been destroyed That'll Oh be a good no, use of she's, time and money. She, she's she's going to investigate the X-Files so yeah there you go. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so I saw something today that there's a university here in the United States that's predicted the last 100 presidents. Well, I'm not 100, but the last 100 years of presidents correctly of who gets elected. And yeah. Um, it's not Mickey this, Mouse, is it? Sanders. It's Bernie Sanders. Hmm. Of Not course, really. this will probably be the first time they're wrong. <laughs> I've got to say, I'm pretty shocked about that. Not, not that it's him. I mean, I, I, I'm not in love with the man, and I don't really love his politics. But I do think he's actually coming from a place where he genuinely seems to actually give a shit about people, which is unusual. But I just don't. Uh, I don't know. I'm uh, not in love with a lot of his politics. So, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Can't really predict the future, you know. 
They've got yeah. other ways to rig elections or whatever. And I do think if someone like that gets elected, they aren't going to last long. No. So, yeah. So, since I went all batshit crazy and started talking about shit I can't prove, I guess this would be a good, as good a time as any <laughs> to end it. <laughs> okay. I do, by the way, before we run the advert or anything, I do want to say thank you, Kevin. I, I really do like the way this new page looks. It is very well laid out. It is. It's very Spartan. I like it. <laughs> so advert. Yes. And the audio software. Why spend hours searching for in-stock ammunition when you can use AmmoSeek.com? AmmoSeek.com is a search engine for finding ammunition, reloading components, magazines, and guns for more than 300 calibers at more than 60 online retailers. AmmoSeek.com only shows items that are in stock and readily available for shipping. You can search by caliber, grains, manufacturer, and more. The results are displayed by cost per round, so you are able to get the very best pricing on your ammunition of choice. Find ammunition at the best prices, fast. AmmoSeek.com Thanks, you guys. Have a great night. We'll see you next week. Happy New Year, y'all.